Hey guys, well, it looks like we're still sitting at home. And if I'm being perfectly honest with you, I'm really getting tired of talking to a camera as we just dive into God's Word. But last week we started a series called It's Just a Phase. And we're really excited about uh, this content and some of these conversations that we're having together. It's in this season that we find ourselves in a very, very um, peculiar um, circumstance. Uh, most of us are spending time at home more so than we ever imagined. Most of us are spending time with our kids at home. Maybe if you've got kids still in your house, um, you're spending a lot more time <laughs> with your kids than you imagined. And you're experiencing, like um, many of us, the, the joys of that and some of the, the new rhythms of that, but also some of the hardship in that. And honestly, some of the headaches that come with that. And it's even more um, emotional now for us this week, I think, because we just got news that uh, school is out and there will be no more classroom education for the rest of this school year. And that hits home to many of us very hard, to many of our kids very hard. And that's a difficult thing for us to deal with. But I want you to know that White Oak loves kids. Like, we are for your kids. Uh, some of the things that we've been up to in, in recent years, such as the Wiz Kids tutoring program here in some of the schools in the Northwest local schools, also at the Ross local schools, um, just loving on kids and helping them in reading programs, and then also uh, just talking to them about our faith. Uh, we love kids at White Oak. We, we love being able to create cool environments like the one I'm in here today so that your kids can interact with each other and with adults who care about them as they get to know Jesus here in our environments. I love one of the things that many of our leaders did um, on the Saturday before Easter at the Ross campus. Um, many of our volunteer leaders drove all over the community dropping off Easter gift bags at the door to many of our kids in our Grow Zone ministry. Such a cool way to show families and children that we love them. And so I appreciate the things that, that our leaders are doing because White Oak loves kids. I want you to hear me on something really important here today. If we want to alter the trajectory of our kids, of our families, and the children in our community, then the conversations that we're having today about this phase in a kid's life matters, and it matters a lot. Today we're going to be talking um, about the elementary stage. That's our first through fifth graders. And what's most important at this stage, in fact, if you could just come up with a word to describe this stage, it is engage. I want you to go ahead and say that word out loud now, engage. Engagement. That's the most critical thing that our kids need in this stage. In fact, this is our big idea for today. Here it is. It says, engage children where God's story intersects their story. Let me say that again. Engage children where God's story intersects their story. Listen, parents, let me talk to you just for a second. You are the primary spiritual influencer of your children. Let me say that one more time. You are the primary spiritual influencer for your children. There's no plan B when it comes to that. When it comes to the impact and the influence of faith and spiritual matters, 
You have the influence. Now, that's not just sociologically true. That's biblically true. When God was establishing a relationship with the people of Israel, he gathered them and he gave these words to Moses to share with the people how they would learn to experience the fullest version of life that God had for them, both in how they interacted with each other and with him. Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting with verse 5. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Now, here's something important to note because he's not just talking to parents. He's actually talking to any influencer of children, any leader. In fact, in this series, when we talk about those of you who have a leader influence on children, here's what we mean. It's anyone who has influence on anyone who has influence on the next generation. A leader of kids is anyone who has influence on anyone who has influence on the next generation. White Oak is a partner with you in the spiritual awakening and maturing of your kids. We come together with parents and leaders and partner together because it's one thing that we know for sure is that when two influences come together and work in unison, that that influence on your children is so much stronger. I love the definition of a um, phase that I've been reading about since we began studying this series. And, and here's the definition of a phase that I think that we'll connect with. It's a time frame in a kid's life where you can leverage distinctive opportunities to influence their future. Now, last week, Chris, um, when he began our series, showed you this jar of gumballs that we have and these gumballs um, at the beginning of the series just last week um, pretty much filled the jar. There were 936 gumballs in here, and that represented the 936 weeks we have to spend with our children from birth through graduation in high school. One gumball for all 936 weeks. Now, we've taken some out since last week uh, to illustrate how many weeks we have left as our kids begin the elementary years. You talk about leveraging distinct opportunities now for their future. We only have a few weeks. It's just a phase, so we don't want to miss it. Everything changes in the elementary years. And the biggest thing that changes, and I know you've seen this, um, for elementary age kids, is they start school. They start school. And that's one of the biggest milestones in a kid's life, in a person's life. I remember my, my kid's first day of school, and you're out there with other parents, right? And, and we probably, many of us, have these pictures of when our kids are getting on the bus. And we try to call to them and get them to turn and wave to us so we can snap that, that picture because we want to capture that. We know that this is the beginning of so much for them. It's the beginning of, of new uh, relationships. It's the beginning of this exploration and this adventure of like friendships and, and school activities and a relationship with a, with a teacher and, and, and reading. And, and the, it's the beginning of so many exciting things for kids. In fact, when our kids start school, that's when time really starts to tick. 
It seems like the calendar starts to fly by when our kids um, adopt this school schedule. And as you are waving to your kids on that first day of school, or if it's coming for you, you'll do this. There will be a piece of you, and don't feel any shame in this, where you will feel a sense of relief. They are now someone else's responsibility for just a few hours, and you get a small break. I'd like you to take a listen to Christy Nunn, who is our children's ministry director at our Ross Township campus, because she's going to take a minute to share with you some of the needs that kids have in this stage. So go ahead and take a look. Hey, Wydoke, it's Christy here. Um, Nathan just asked me to share a little bit about um, the elementary phase. Um, The elementary phase is from first grade to fifth grade, so it, it is a wide span. And I'm going to just start today with first graders because I think they're just so very different. Um, What a first grader is like. So if you're a first grade parent, you know they are full of imagination. They're very wildly creative. Um, Everything is a new experience for them. And what a first grader needs from us most is that they're just at the look at me phase. They just need parents to to be there for them, to encourage them, and to celebrate their victories. All right, moving on to second grade. Um, Second grade is very similar to first grade. This is the age that I teach at Elda right now. Um, They are beginning to just see differences in between other kids. So they're starting to realize what they're good at, what they're not good at. So this is a great time for parents to really engage in their interests. I always say you want to be a studier of your kid um, and kind of just nudge them in the directions that you know God has gifted them with. Here, and I haven't spoken about it yet, but rhythms. It's important that at your home that you begin rhythms early with your children. And what I would say about rhythms is that you have positive morning experiences, um, engaging meal conversations. Make sure that those are time that you're instilling values into your kids there. Third grade is such a hard year for kids academically. You know, the state has said that we have to teach them to read by third grade. So they get a lot of pressure at school. So just know that as parents, that they're feeling that pressure at home. So your biggest thing is just to answer their question, do I have what it takes, that they're good enough, that you're speaking um, love and encouragement to them, uh, making sure that, that you are saying that you believe in that, what they can do. They're also comparing themselves, so keep that in mind. They, um, they want to fit in and they begin to look socially for friends here. The oldest of the elementary, the fourth and fifth graders, they are just so very different. They are Friends are so important to a fourth and fifth grader that that becomes kind of their driving force. Uh, They begin to understand different points of view. They can empathize with others, and they can negotiate like a champ. That means one thing, that your influence is shifting. Your kids still need you, but they they desire and want some social interaction. So they, their, their need to have a best friend is so important in these grades. In elementary school, you can give your child the love they need when you do one thing. You engage their interests. When you engage their interests, you communicate that their ideas have value, that you show them that being curious about their activities, that, that you show them that, they, that you love them, that they establish their efforts are significant, 
that they demonstrate that they are worth loving, that you help them push through setbacks, that you communicate their relationships have value. So pay attention to the things that they like and who they like. Who and what do they seem to enjoy the most right now in this phase? Remember, the end prize should be your goal. You want to have kids that become godly adults who love Jesus. So keep that in mind as you parent, and good luck, and we're here for you. Man, life comes quickly for elementary age kids. In fact, what our fourth graders experience today when it comes to bullying or, or temptations or, or, or just life, it, it's what our sixth through eighth graders were experiencing just 10 years ago. Life is coming so fast to our elementary age kids. But kids in, in this stage are so impressionable. They're, they're enthusiastic. They're eager to explore. And, and they're eager and excited about the things that the adults around them are excited about. And we have to leverage this stage, perhaps now more than we ever did before. So some 3,500 years ago, Moses told the parents and the leaders of the people of Israel how they could leverage, right? How they could leverage the, the, this, this important stage and what they can do to speak into the lives of these enthusiastic, excited, eager children. And this is the words that he said to us in Deuteronomy. He says, impress God's word upon your children. Impress God's word upon your children. And what I want to lean into is that word where he says, impress God's word, impress. So for me, that means that we don't just um, talk to our kids about spiritual things, like you should do this because the Bible said, or, or you should do this because that would make God happy, right? We don't just talk about spiritual things to them, but we actually have spiritual conversations with them. We talk about those things with them. We engage them in conversation. And so you could ask your elementary age kids questions like, what do you think God thinks about this? Or what do you think about God? Tell me just kind of what you think God is like. Or you can even throw questions out to them like, um, if you could ask God anything, what would you want to ask him? And then, and here's the kicker, Actually listen to them when they answer. Listen to them talk. Let them talk. And then you respond, not by correcting their theology, but just respond to their words. In fact, you can then share. That's interesting. I appreciate you sharing that with me. You know, here's a question I would ask God if I could ask him anything. And share with them some of your struggles and some of your questions. And don't just give them pat answers, right? But tell them something specifically that you have learned from your experience with God so you can, and, and what his character is like so that you can respond with things like, here's something I've learned from God or here's something I've seen that's true about who God is and, and, and his character and share that with your kids. You see, this biggest spiritual need that kids need at this phase in elementary school is this. They need to be able to trust God's character and experience God's family. They need to be able to trust God's character and experience God's family. The National Association of Evangelicals 
polled a group of Americans, and here's what they found out, that 63% of Christians accepted Jesus between the ages of 4 and 14. 63% of Americans accepted Jesus between the ages of 4 and 14. Now, where you are right now in your home, just go ahead and look at the people around you if you're sitting with family or others, and just raise your hand If that was you, if you made a decision to put your faith in Jesus between the ages of four and 14, just go ahead and and raise your hand. I did. I I fell in that window. In fact, that's what it's called, the 414 window. And it's a time in a kid's life where a child is most likely to embrace the gospel. That means embrace the good news about Jesus and begin to own it as their own and where they form a view of God's church, the 414 window. Now, I know that as we're raising elementary kids, man, the days can feel so long, but the years are really, really short, and they go by so quickly. So when it comes to our elementary age kids, the word is engage. Engage them where God's story intersects their story. And if you feel like in this moment, just in the few minutes we've had together, that um, you've dropped the ball, that you haven't been doing that, that you know that you could be doing more, that's okay. Because we're all going to mess this thing up plenty of times. So, so what you and I need to keep thinking about is how we re-engage. How we re- it's never too late. So how do we re-engage our kids in the story that God wants to speak into their life? Now, Luke was a scientist and um, a historian, and in the New Testament of our Bible, he includes his narrative of Jesus's life. And, and he, what he writes about, he's going to write about from the perspective of the men who knew Jesus, who walked with him. And Luke will investigate and interview them, and then he writes this. And we're going to pick it up in Luke chapter 18, this, this, this piece of the story that Luke records for us. This is what he says in Luke 18, verse 15. One day, some parents brought their little children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them. But when the disciples saw this, they scolded the parents for bothering him. Then Jesus called for the children and said to the disciples, Let the little children come to me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Now, anytime someone speaks up and begins to say or do anything that they're, they're saying specifically is impacting your children, that means every adult within hearing, your ears should perk up. Because as a leader or as a parent or as a grandparent, we know that our kids matter. When it comes to them, we take it very seriously. Now, in Mark's version of of Jesus' encounter here with the disciples and these parents and these kids, Mark and his narrative tells us that Jesus was indignant. What he's saying is Jesus was really ticked off, really angry. In fact, it's one of the few places in the Bible where the writers tell us that Jesus was this angry at his disciples for, for brushing off these kids as unimportant, right? Now, In the first century, the attitude toward children is somewhat unknown to us. There's not a lot of people who took time to write in the first century what the attitude towards children really was. But there are a few things we do know. 
One of them was that the mortality rate for children was quite high. And so for a child in the first century to survive to her fourth birthday was quite an extraordinary thing. We also know that that children cost money and it was another mouth to feed in most homes who were impoverished. Another thing that we know is that many times, both in Greek and Roman, as well as Jewish culture, oftentimes kids were seen as third-class citizens. In fact, when it came to unwanted babies, the Romans had this practice of exposing their children. And what that means is if they didn't want their child, they would simply walk outside the city gates and leave the baby in the woods and walk away. Now, Jesus' disciples exhibit some behavior which maybe gives us a little bit of insight into what their view of these young children was. And it may have gone something like this. Religion was important for kids, especially in the Jewish culture. But in Jesus' disciples' minds, maybe there was something else that these kids should have been doing that perhaps would have been more appropriate or even more important. Now, I want you to think about that. When was the time that you led a child through your influence, right, away from encountering Jesus because of something else that was more pressing at the time? Has that ever been you? And as a parent, I know that's true. And I I shudder at the thought, and I feel this this, uh, pain of, of guilt, but I know that it's never too late. You see, these children didn't irritate Jesus. In fact, Jesus was like, I don't know, he was like uh, energized by their um, excitement. Children have this openness to new things. They had this uncomplicated acceptance of truth, and this explorer kind of energy, and something about that just lit Jesus up. And I wonder at what point in your faith, whether I'm talking to the teenagers um, here who are listening today, or to parents, or to grandparents, or older adults, at what point in your faith could, could your faith have been described like that? Excitable. Um, this openness to new things, this uncomplicated acceptance to truth. When in your faith journey could you have described your approach to Jesus like that? I'm not talking about when you were a kid. I'm talking about more recently. So you remember the driving questions that kids have at this stage. They say they, they go from the younger years in elementary to, hey, look at me, to the older years of elementary saying, do I have what it takes? Look at me. Do I have what it takes? And what perfect place for, for these parents' kids to, to hear these words of affirmation and truth and from sitting on Jesus' lap, where Jesus is looking at my kids and your children, and he's saying, I'm looking at you. I think, I, I see you, I love you, and I have this incredible adventure for you to explore in this life with me, and I'm going to walk with you all along the way. In fact, you absolutely have what it takes because my love for you is all you need. These words 
from Jesus to our kids. Now, one of the issues that we run into is that sometimes our response as leaders or parents and influencers in the life of children can look a lot like Jesus' disciples when it comes to how we engage kids and how God's story interacts with their life story and the adventure he calls them to. You see, sometimes we look like Jesus' disciples in ways like this. Sometimes we think that our religious traditions that we've kind of instilled in our kids, that, that that's enough. Right? That, that we've kind of been doing our part. And so we don't really focus as much on God's story intersecting our, our kids' lives, helping them to see like his love, right? And his, his constant devotion to them. Because we say, well, we pray before dinner often. Or, you know what? I made sure my kids got baptized. Or, you know what? We make sure that we get our kids to church just as often as we can when something else pressing isn't going on. See, sometimes as parents or influencers, we'll just assume that there was like a class, right, at church that has taken care of some of that spiritual education. I mean, never mind like our kids' hearts being connected to the heart of their Heavenly Father, but, but we have done our part, right? As long as we got them to church and put them in a class, then we've kind of done our part in, in speaking faith into the lives of our children. Now, this might be especially true, and, and, and here I'm talking to myself because I'm talking to the guys, to the men, to, to the influencers, the, to the dads, to the influencers who are maybe grandparents or, 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 or male guardians. Sometimes we're more guilty of this. Our kids will see us, man, get amped up and excited about something. Well, maybe it's sports, right? And they'll see us cheering in this excitement in this, uh, of this adventure of, uh, of sports. And I wonder how often they see us get lit up in our excitement and our engagement with our relationship with Jesus or the things that Jesus is about. You see, oftentimes, as a man, it's, it's too tempting even for our kids to watch us in a corporate worship gathering where, where we just kind of fold our arms and maybe we're staring at the screen or maybe we're staring at our phones. Uh, maybe we're doing it while we are watching the service online here today. But our kids see that. Dads, our kids see that. Our folded arms and our nonverbal interactions, Right? And they see that, and they see us get more passionate sometimes over, over a touchdown than we do about the opportunities that we have to share our faith story with them or with someone else. And they see us get more enraged at a fumble than they do when we see people who are on the margins of our society get ignored by Jesus' church. Where are we going to engage our kids Like, when are we as parents and influencers and other leaders in our church, when are we going to engage our elementary kids in the adventure, in the excitement, in the life that Jesus is calling them to? I love what I saw the other day. There was this this mom, a, a parent here at White Oak, who shared with us on social media a way that she is engaging her daughter in God's story. I want you to hear from her in her own words uh, what she's been up to. I became a stay-at-home mom because I wanted to spend more time with my kids because I knew that I couldn't get these years back with them. Being a stay-at-home mom in normal life is different than during quarantine. My oldest, Claire, 
is usually off at school all day, busy with homework and playing when she gets home. We never really had time to spend hours with just us. Even in the summer, we were so busy with vacations, camping trips, and keeping them busy that we skimmed right over deepening our relationship. What better way to spend quarantine than deepening my relationship with my kids? We have nowhere else to be, and we won't get this time back. Claire and I have started reading a children's devotional about forgiveness, and we also started a mother-daughter journal. We've been writing in it daily, getting to know each other better, and in 20 years, we will enjoy reading it back on our days during the coronavirus to see how much of a positive impact it had on our relationship. Here's the point. Here's what engagement means when it comes to engaging our elementary age kids, seeing how God's story interacts with their story. Engagement means intentionality. It means that we've got to be intentional. It means that I am making decisions to help my child's faith mature, to help them explore. And I'm making intentional decisions to do that in a way that's fun for them and exciting for them because those are the things that really motivate kids at this age. Not just intentionality, another thing that engagement means is consistency. That I am building into our daily rhythms or our weekly rhythms a consistent place where our kids are interacting with their church family, with other believers, whether it's in your small group or, or a group they're a part of or at church on a weekly basis where they're, where they're absorbing what it's, life to, what it's like to interact with God's church, both in, in a lobby or in a classroom in relationships or with the activities of, of serve events or worship events or prayer events that might be happening that's part of the church's ministry. Engage them in it consistently. Consistency is the key. In fact, also what's a key about consistency is they're seeing you engage in your relationship with God in a consistent way, in a way that shows you're dependent on your Heavenly Father. Intentionality, consistency, and finally, engagement means conversation. It's conversation about God's character. That's it. You engage in conversation. You ask questions. You listen to their answers. And you share with them your own questions and your own observations about God's character. Engagement will happen when conversation happens. We need leaders and parents who will engage our elementary kids and show them where God's story interacts with their story. And guys, this isn't going to happen just by accident or through osmosis. Like we can't just say, well, you know, our kids are going to get God's story because we've taken them to church so many times, or we pray before dinner um, every once in a while, or we have this really cool Bible verse that's on this really cool plaque sitting on our mantle above our fireplace in the living room. And, 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 and if we just do those things, then just kind of through osmosis, it'll just kind of like soak in. Guys, this doesn't happen accidentally. See, this is a phase for our kids where they're excited and they're hungry for the adventure that their Heavenly Father's called them on. They want to know about that adventure, but they want to see that you're excited about it too. I don't know if you've ever noticed that, that an adult can get a kid excited about anything just by showing that, they're, that, that you yourself are excited about it. Like you could walk into a, to a room full of elementary age kids and you can get them screaming and like riled up over, over a sports team that they've never even heard of just by showing how excited you are about it. 
But you can get that same level of energy and excitability out of them if you just t- started yelling and and raving about this some silly cartoon character, even like picking your boogers, because they're going to yell and they'll be excited because they can see that you're excited about it, right? And they just want to engage. I say that's what I think Jesus is doing when he gathers these kids on his lap, because he knows he's got an audience of religious leaders, of a bunch of church people and, and parents, and they're waiting to see how Jesus is going to interact with these kids. And when he says that you can't enter the kingdom of God unless you approach him like these kids, I think one of the things Jesus is saying is he wants you adults. He wants us to approach him with this level of excitability, with this level of I can't wait, this anticipation of this journey, of this uncomplicated approach to faith and to trust. Like that's what Jesus wants to see in us too. And our kids are eager to see this adventure that their Heavenly Father has called them to. But they will engage when they see you and I engage. And then we have set them up really well for one of the most trying phases that they will experience in their life. And we'll talk about this next, next week. That's the middle school years. Listen, parents, adults, leaders, anyone who has influence on anyone who has influence on the next generation. Our role is to come alongside children and walk with them as the Holy Spirit guides them in their spiritual journey. This is just a phase, so don't miss it.